In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Revelation, St. John records for us an epic battle. War in heaven. It sounds like it could be the title of a Hollywood blockbuster. Now we know from the scriptures that there is far more to angels than beautiful, peaceful creatures with wings. Angels are cosmic warriors. It seems from the text that this battle is a big deal, and it will have eternal consequences. Our text sets before us two opposing forces. On one side is the ancient seven-headed dragon, and on the other is the archangel Michael. Michael and his angels fight against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fight back. Back and forth the angels go. Can you see the smoke rising from their battlefield? You hear the sound of the battle, and perhaps you see this battle going on in the world, and maybe you also are encouraged to take up arms and to fight against the evil one. Maybe you also know and feel this battle raging in your own heart. You know these forces of good and evil fight within you. Now maybe when you think about the activity of the devil and his angels, you think about physical demonic oppression or possession. Maybe you think about the devil ruling in your workplace or your home and the way these spiritual forces can bring physical havoc into your life. But if you were to take arms up against an angel, you would never win. Angels are far, far stronger than you and I. In Second Kings, we hear the account of a single angel who wiped out the Assyrian army, 185,000 strong, in a single night. So perhaps this desire to be involved in this battle is a mistake, for you would be utterly destroyed in an instant. But the battle described here in Revelation is no ordinary fight. This is not a battle of physical weapons and fire, for angels are spiritual beings. They do not have physical bodies, nor is this a battle of strength or even one of wits. This is a battle of words. Remember that old dragon? Our text says he is called Satan, a word that means accuser. From ancient times, he is called the deceiver, the father of lies. This dragon is known then not for breathing out fire and smoke, but lies and accusations. Accusations, deceit, lies, these are not accomplished by weapons, but by words. And where does Satan speak these words? Well, our text describes his being thrown down from heaven. 
This tells us that until this event happens, Satan had a place in heaven. Satan stands before the throne of God with accusations and lies, and he accuses the people of God. This is what was going on at the beginning of the book of Job. Satan brought before God accusations against Job. And he says to God, Job only loves you because you've blessed him. Take away his stuff, his family, and his health, and then he will despise you. This is what the devil would do in heaven. And I bet you can imagine Satan standing before God in heaven, accusing you. He's there pointing out all your sin to God, all the good that you have failed to think and to say and to do. And he's bringing before God all the evidence against you, your evil thoughts, your hateful words, your selfish actions. And the trouble with all of this is that the devil is right. He doesn't have to lie in order to accuse you before God. To speak to God of your sin is to say what is true about you. But this is not a battle of wits or strength, but a battle of words. And if the attack is one of words, then so also is the defense, and ultimately the victory. The accuser is thrown down out of heaven. But the way our text puts it, we do not see his fall, but we hear it. Notice what the great voice proclaims. The accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. But why is he thrown down? What is it that has happened in heaven? Is it simply that Michael and his angels have finally figured out the right words to use? Did they declare their intention to bind Satan and speak against him? Did they finally figure out the right attack in order to cast Satan out of heaven? And if they finally figured out the right attack, then what possibly kept him from coming back? Now, something had changed in heaven. There was something new in heaven, something that had never been there before. Remember that this is a spiritual battle. That's how it was in the beginning. God is spirit, and all his angels are spiritual beings. And yet, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those in bondage under the law. The second person of the Holy Trinity now takes up human flesh. And he does this so he can take your sin and to die in your place, giving his life for yours and shedding his blood to atone for all of your sins. That means lifted up on the cross, Jesus is the greatest sinner. 
for he carries in his own flesh every sin of the whole world and all of your sin too. As the greatest sinner, Jesus deserves death. But because he is God, his suffering and death has infinite worth. He pays the debt that your sins have earned. And because his death forgives all sin, Jesus can't stay dead. He rises from the grave on the third day. And 40 days later, he ascends into heaven. And so as Jesus goes into heaven, he brings something with him. Because he is God and man united forever in one person. And so he brings his flesh that was sacrificed on the cross. He brings the blood that was shed. And he brings the word about that blood. That this blood has taken away every sin. That means that when the devil stands there in heaven to accuse all mankind before the Father, Jesus also stands in the heavenly courtroom with his blood. Upon each and every accusation from the devil, Jesus raises an objection. You cannot claim that sin as evidence against this child of God, because I died for that sin I paid for it with my blood. It is gone. This means that Satan no longer has any basis for accusations against you in heaven. He cannot bring a case against you because the blood of Jesus speaks a better word about you before the Father. That's why the devil is cast down. For in heaven... There is the blood of Jesus and his testimony about that blood. Satan cannot speak against the word and the blood. That means the conversation that now happens in heaven is only the word of Jesus. Your sins are no longer spoken of in heaven. The only words there say, I have redeemed them. They are mine. My blood speaks for them. My victory is their victory. And that great accuser no longer has any authority here. The victory has been won. And this is proclaimed even before God in heaven. And yet, it's not the end. It doesn't mean that the war or that the battle is over. Though Satan has been defeated, he has now been thrown down to earth. And here on earth, he brings the fight to each and every one of you. By virtue of your baptism into Christ, the devil is your enemy. But for you, this battle takes place not in the physical world and everything in front of you, but in your heart and your mind. It is, after all, a battle of words. The devil's word is still among us in this world. His voice still sounds in your conscience. His word still makes its way into your heart. 
That means this is a battle for your ears. Whose word will you receive? The devil tempts you by way of words. He tells you to take what you want and satisfy your every desire, saying that he tells you that saying evil things about others is really the only way to lift yourself up. He tells you that these things will bring you happiness and joy. He tells you to strike out when you are angry, or that it really won't hurt you to skip church when you don't feel like coming. It won't hurt to look at that which is unholy just this once. And then, when he has succeeded in persuading you to sin, he comes back with more accusations. God couldn't love someone like you. Look at the Bible. What does God say about the evildoers? What does he say about the one who lies and cheats and commits adultery? about the one who covets in his heart. You know what your sins have deserved. And you have also suffered the sins of others against you. Perhaps you have known abuse. Maybe you have convinced yourself that you deserve to have been treated that way because of your own sin. You have earned this kind of mistreatment, and you want to hide inside your own shame. And so you hear the devil's voice say that you are too broken for God to love. Your sins have made you beyond repair. Maybe you've taken to heart the devil's word that says that you should lash out and harm others in order to make yourself feel better. Maybe you have wondered whether there could possibly be any hope for a sinner like you. Each of you knows what this battle is like. You have been a participant in this battle against despair. But Satan is not the only one who speaks, for your Lord also speaks. He speaks his word of consolation. In this gathering of the body of Christ, he speaks through the word constituted in the holy sacraments. It is this word that is your victory over the devil. Because it is the very same word that sounds in heaven. The same word that cast Satan out of heaven and silenced his accusing voice. It is his word that says, my blood speaks for them. My victory is their victory. And that accuser no longer has any authority here. So it is Jesus in both cases who silences the devil and who wins the victory. His voice sounds in your conscience and drives out the devil. Jesus' word about your sins speaks a better word, and Satan has nothing left with which to accuse you. Notice what Revelation 12 says. The saints on earth, that is, that's you and me, overcome the devil. How is this done? 
It's by the word of their testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And this is also the picture of Christian worship, the word and the blood. So the next time someone asks you why you go to church, what it is that you get in this place, well, it's the word and the blood. Because that is what overcomes the devil. Everything for you depends on this word and this blood. And so that is where the devil attacks. He can't attack the word and the blood up in heaven And so he brings his attack down to earth. He brings the fight to your life and heart, to your ears. And you know there is some truth in the devil's accusation when he calls you a sinner. That's why you come to this place. You speak the truth about your sins, and then you hear the verdict of the judge. In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And this also means that when you partake of this altar, you eat and drink the very same evidence that is brought before God's throne in heaven. And then that same blood that Jesus present before his Father in heaven. By his word, Jesus puts that same blood on our altar every week. And his blood does the same thing here on earth as it does in heaven. This blood takes away any basis for the devil to accuse you because this blood covers all your sins. Now, maybe one other final thought here about angels. In the scriptures, the work of angels isn't primarily about their strength and power. Their most important work has to do with words. The angels speak glad tidings. They proclaim the forgiveness of Christ. They sing of his victory and praise his name and announce his coming. The angels rejoice over sinners who repent. The angels rejoice because the devil is thrown out by the blood of Christ and the testimony about that flood. The angels rejoice when sinners are forgiven. And in a few moments, your words will join the angels as together with them we sing their song, Holy, Holy, Holy. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.